بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين نبينا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين أما بعد السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala He says in surah Al-Dhariyat وَمَا خَلَقْتُ الْجِنَّ وَالْإِنسَ إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُونَ That I did not create al-jinn nor mankind except to worship me. And from this verse we learn the primary reason of our creation. That the primary purpose as or for us as human beings as well as the jinn kind on this dunya is that we worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone this is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created us and this is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala placed us in this dunya and through his worship we will attain peace we will attain happiness we will attain joy in this dunya that cannot be found except through the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has also made this dunya a place of imtihan. It's a place of t- tests and trials and tribulations. He has made this dunya a place of test. This dunya has not been made a place, a place of eternal happiness or bliss. But the way Allah has made things is that if we want to achieve and attain eternal bliss and happiness, then we have to pass the test of this dunya. Then we have to live in this world as strangers. Kun fid dunya ka'abiru sabil. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, be in this dunya like a stranger and like a wayfarer, meaning like a traveler. Somebody who is just passing through. You are just passing through a little town. That's your stay in the dunya. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, this was his approach. He said, Mali walid dunya. What is there for me in this world? ما أنا إلا كراكب استظل تحت شجرة ثم راح وتركها. What is there for me in this world? I am like a rider, like a traveler who takes rest in some shade beneath a tree for a small period of time, then he gets up and he carries on. That's the status of the dunya. That is the status of the dunya. It's just that little resting spot. And we carry on. On our path towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it's important that we understand this. It's important that we as Muslims, we live with this in mind. That there's always the bigger picture. There's always the ultimate goal. We have our goals in this dunya. We have our things we are seeking in this dunya. But we also give it its due place. That it is also something minor. 
is just on the way. It's just something as a traveler that you're picking up. And you might drop it off later on. And if it missed you, it missed you. It was never meant for you. So this is the attitude of the mu'min. This is the attitude of the believer in this world. And when this is our attitude, we will find that we will become pleased with the decree of Allah. We will find that we will be people of patience, people of sabr, people who can endure tests, people who can face difficulties, people who can persevere. Because we understand this is just part of life. This is what Allah does. This is Allah's system. And ultimately, we are only working for the bigger goal. And the biggest goal is Jannah. The biggest goal is, is to reach paradise. So this world is a place of test. In this verse, Surah Baqarah, Allah tells us that I will surely test you with different issues. I will test you with different things. Some will be due to fear. Min al-khawf. There will be tests in terms of fear. Fear for our life. Fear for our safety. Fear of our wealth, of our children. There's fear. That's part of the dunya. In Jannah, there's no fear. In Jannah, there'll be no test. There'll be no fear. But in this world, to achieve Jannah, we have to first pass the test. So there'll be a test of fear. There'll be a test of hunger. While jur, hunger. Some people are tested with hunger, others are not. And some people are faced with a loss of crops. A loss of wealth. And a loss of life. Some people are faced with this. In fact, we are all faced with this. We are all, well, we will lose money. We will lose our wealth. Maybe not all of it, but these times we will face losses. There are times we will face a setback. There's no work. Work is short. Or somebody lost their job. Or somebody got robbed. And so many things can happen. وَنَقْسِمْ مِنَ الْأَمْوَالِ And loss of life. That at times we lose people who are close to us. People who are part of our community. People from our family. From our friends. This is part of the test of the dunya. And of course crops. In terms of our food and produce and so forth. These are the types of tests. Or from the types of tests Allah says that he promises us. I will surely test you with this. But what did we say? What is the attitude of the believer? The believer understands it's a test from Allah. And he understands there's a bigger picture. He understands that the goal is not this world. That the goal is the year after. So he has patience with the test. And then Allah says, وَبَشِّرِ الصَّابِرِينَ He says he will test us in these ways. But then he says, give glad tidings to those who are patient, to the people of sabr. 
Give glad tidings to those who persevere. Alladheena idha asabathum musibah qalu inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'un. Allah says, give glad tidings to them. Those who are patient, when they are faced with the test, when they are faced with the calamity, any form of calamity, any loss, any, anything that we can describe as a, an accident or calamity, what do they say? Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'un. And there's always a misconception. Some people think we only say inna lillahi when somebody dies. When somebody passes away, they say inna lillahi, which is true. We say inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'un when somebody passes away. But it's not restricted to that. Because when Allah says this in the Quran, He says when any calamity befalls them, they go through any major issue, they, they bear patience. And they say inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'un. And this is a sunnah of Allah that, that Allah is teaching us that we should uphold. If something happens, inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'un. What is the hikmah in saying this? So it's legislated because Allah said this is what they say. So we should say it. But what's the hikmah? Why do we say this? Why should we say this? It's about the meaning. It puts things back into perspective. It brings us back to reality. Somebody close to us passes away. We face loss of wealth. We, there was a robbery at our business. There is no... Whatever's happened. The believer is, is now starting to worry. He's facing a little bit of anxiety. Naturally, as a person, he's got a little bit of panic. He feels he's mourning over his loss. Of a loved one, for example. But he says, Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'un. And this puts things into perspective for him. It reminds him that indeed we belong to Allah. Indeed, Inna lillah. Indeed, we are but the slaves of Allah. We are but the slaves of Allah. We are nothing but slaves of Allah. We belong to Him. He's our creator and we belong to him. Throughout the Quran you will find verses where Allah tells us over and over and over Lillahi ma fi samawati wa ma fi wa lillahi ma fi samawati wa ma fi al-ard. To Allah belongs whatever is in the heavens, whatever is in the earth. He is the owner. His name, one of his names is Al-Malik, the owner of everything. He is the owner of every single thing, Al-Malik. And we are part of what he owns. We are slaves of Allah. So when that calamity strikes, what do we say? Inna lillah. This is the first reminder we're telling ourselves, we belong to Allah. Meaning whatever Allah does, he has a right to do it. And we need to bear patience. Because he's our master, he's our controller, he's our creator. We belong to him. And he has every right to do what he wants to do. And unto him is our return. And unto him is our return. And this is the second reminder. 
as much as that of taste that you are facing. There's some difficulty, there's some hardship, there's a loss, there's a calamity. But you are still going to go back to Allah. Keep this in mind. Remind yourself, ultimately I'm facing some loss in this dunya, but I need to go back to Allah because I belong to Allah. So this little test here is nothing but a test. This test is actually to prepare me to meeting Allah. To prepare me for meeting with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So if I have patience with this test, I understand the decree of Allah, and Allah does whatever He wants, I will be successful in this. And whoever has patience will be victorious. This is the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said. Whoever has patience, he will always be victorious. He cannot lose. He cannot lose. Our victory is tied with our patience, our sabr in this dunya. So there will be various tests. Because that's the purpose of this life. The purpose of this dunya, as we said, is to worship Allah alone, number one. To live a life of servitude and worship unto Allah. But then it's to face the tests of this dunya. Because the dunya is not Jannah. The dunya is the battleground where, where we attain victory so that we can get Jannah bi'idhnillahi ta'ala. And we have to understand the dunya in this context. It's a place of trials and tribulations and tests. And if we are not being tested, ayyuh al-Muslimun, then this is something that should cause us to be worried. It is no tests in our life. No difficulties. We wake up every day is easy, no worries, wealth is there, family is there, and it's just carrying on and carrying on. We're not saying complain. Be thankful to Allah, but also think, am I perhaps living a life of sin that Allah is not testing me with? Am I perhaps living far away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's obedience such that He's letting me go further and further away? Because the true believers are tested. The Prophet said, The people who will be tested the most are the Prophets. Nobody faced greater difficulties and tests in this world than them. Then those who are closest to them and most like them. Then those who are most like them. Meaning the closer you are to the way and the, the Prophet lifestyle and his sunnah, the more you will be tested. The more you have to be tested. Because it's through those tests that Allah raises their ranks. Every time they were tested, they had sabr. So it was something good for them. It raised them, it purified them of any sin, any shortcoming. And this is the, the beauty of the tests of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In fact, Ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah, Shaykh al-Islam, Ibn Taymiyyah, he said, Sometimes a bad thing happens or you do a bad thing but that turns out to be better for you than a good thing. And if we just focus on what this means sometimes you end up in a sin or Allah tests you with something of loss but because of that because of that you change your life. Because of that, it takes you out of a life of heedlessness 
and ghafla of negligence. It's like a wake-up call that because of this test, you start to fix up your salah. Because of this test, you start to rectify your affairs in your family, between you and your wife, with your children. How are they living? How are they being reared? And you start to fix it up. You start to fix up the relationship between yourself and the book of Allah because you were tested severely. And all of a sudden you're praying five times a day. And this is the beauty of the tests of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That the tests of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when it's understood to be a test and the believer understands it's a test and he treats it with sabr, this will be a turning point for him. And this person will come closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through this test. And this is why Allah tests us. The scholars of Al-Islam, they mentioned that sabr is needed at every moment. But it can be summarized into three categories. There are three different types of sabr that we need. There are three different types of sabr that we need. The first one is what we've been speaking about. That when Allah tests us, we need sabr. And the scholars define this as having sabr with the decree of Allah. That whenever Allah decrees anything, it requires patience. It requires sabr on the part of the slave, of the abd. So it could be a calamity like we spoke about. It could be a loss of wealth, a loss of life. It could be anything. Allah tests you with something, a setback of something, of some sort. This requires sabr on our part. On the part of the slave. Because it's the decree of Allah. It could be a person in your life that you are dealing with. Whether it's a family friend, whether it's a person from your family, whether it's a friend. No matter who it is. It could be someone who oppresses you. It could be someone that harms you. You treat that person with sabr. Why do we treat him with sabr? Because we understand even he is part of the decree of Allah. Even that person, that oppressor, his oppression only reached us because Allah allowed it to reach us. So we understand this is the decree of Allah. So we have sabr. Irrespective of who he is, Irrespective of what he's doing, we have sabr with the decree of Allah. And we understand we are also dealing with Allah, not just the person. So this is the first category. We should have patience with the decree of Allah. Whatever Allah decrees, we accept it. And we should try and be pleased with it. Alhamdulillah, this is what Allah wanted. We have to deal with it. We have to have sabr and carry on. You had a plan, didn't work out. Allah brought something different. Allah put an obstacle in the way. Have sabr. Allah always knows better. Allah's decree is divine. Your plan is not divine. Your knowledge is limited. Allah's knowledge is not limited. Trust in the plan of Allah. And have sabr with His decree. The second category of sabr is as-sabr ala ta'atillah. It is to have sabr with the obedience of Allah. And this is something extremely important. 
In fact, I will speak about this last. The third category is as-sabru ala ma'asiyatillah, which is to have sabr when it comes to the disobedience of Allah. At times, we are faced with a sin. At times, our nafs is weak. We all have our errors. We all have our shortcomings. Every son of Adam commits sin. They make mistakes. But the best of them are those who often repent. We know the hadith. So we have our shortcomings. But when we are faced with that sin, when we are faced with an opportunity to disobey Allah, it requires sabr. It requires patience not to go ahead. It requires patience to restrain yourself. To stop yourself from indulging in the haram. From watching that haram. From listening to that haram. From sitting in that gathering of haram. It requires patience on your part. It requires sabr to restrain yourself. This is another category of sabr that we need. Which is sabr when faced with the disobedience of Allah. It requires sabr. It's easy to fulfill. It's easy to give in to the nafs. It's craving. Your, your nafs is craving that haram. You need to have strong patience and willpower and sabr to refrain. To give it up for the sake of Allah. And it's hardest at the beginning. It's hardest at the, at the beginning. Once you fight and you fight and you give it up more and more, it becomes easier and easier and easier. Bi'idhnillahi ta'ala. This is the second type of sabr, which is sabr when it comes to the disobedience of Allah, and this is something we can all understand. The other, the third category that we mentioned, that I said I'll speak about at the end, is sabr when it comes to the obedience of Allah. And this is something that is often overlooked. It's something that is often overlooked and not given its due haqq. And it's the reason many of our ibadat are lacking. It's because we don't have sabr. Take any act of worship. Any act of worship, it requires sabr on your part. It requires patience. It requires you to slow down, to distract your mind away from its distractions of the dunya and to focus on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to focus on that act of worship. That alone requires a lot of sabr. So when we stand on the musalla, why are we not focused? Why are we rushing through the salah? Why are we not contemplating what we are reading? Because there's no sabr. We are hasty to get done, to make the prayer and finish it, and we know we finished it. The goal was to finish the salah. This is the case with many of us. Our goal is to pray. Khalas, I made salah, it's done. That's the most important thing. But this is not the essence of the salah. This is not what Allah wants. Allah wants us to pray correctly and to pray with sabr. With that sabr will come khushu, will come focus and understanding and concentration. And then we reap the benefits of salah. Then we see salah keeps us away from sin as the Quran says. It keeps us away from immoralities as the Quran says. But because we don't pray correctly, we don't taste this. It's supposed to be the happiest part of our day. The time of the day where we find the ultimate peace is when we stand in front of Allah. 
in conversation with Allah. But we don't find it because we don't pray the way we're supposed to pray. And this is not speaking about those who don't pray. This is referring to those of us who pray and are trying to pray. We need to understand, we need sabr when you make salah. Be patient, read slower, focus more. When we fast, it requires sabr. We need to refrain from vain speech. We need to refrain from wasting our time. We need to refrain from many things. In fact, just to fast a day for the sake of Allah. How difficult is it? In Ramadan, we fast 29 days straight. No issues. We can do it. It's easy. Everybody's doing it. But how many of us can fast Monday? Let's say we all know it's a sunnah. Fast Monday, Thursday. We all know it. And we all know the great rewards for, for, for fasting. We hear every Ramadan the rewards for fasting is so much. How many of us can wake up? We wake up for Fajr. Khair, inshallah. We're waking up for Fajr. And how many of us can make the niyyah? I'm going to fast today for the sake of Allah. Even during the winter, we can't do it. Why can't we do it? We have no sabr, that's why. We have no patience. We have no sabr. Sabr is needed when it comes to worshipping Allah. We need sabr. We need to have patience. Reading the Quran the same. Why did we read? To reach the end of the surah, finish the surah, khalas, done. The goal was to reach the end of the page or the surah or wherever you're stopping. The goal is to reach the end. Once I've reached, I'm done. But this is not the idea behind reading the Quran. We're supposed to read understanding every half is ten rewards. And try to understand that letters and understand what Allah is saying. And benefit from the Quran. It's not about reaching the end of the juz or the page or the surah or the maqara or whatever it is. And that's because we have no sabr. We have no sabr. Things have been made easy for us. Look through the stories of the classical scholars and people of old. There was no translation. They didn't have an app on their phone. They didn't have the internet in front of them. They can search anything. Pick up a phone. WhatsApp a student of knowledge, some sheikh. What's the fatwa on the sheikh? No problem. You got your answer. Things have become easy for us, but we don't, we don't take heed. Even classes to learn the deen, you need sabr. Studying deen requires sabr. If you have no sabr, you'll never learn. And this is why most people don't attend classes. There's no sabr. Class is going on too long now. It's almost an hour, Sheikh, already. Oh, over an hour now. But the movie's two hours long. No problem. The rugby match is three hours long. Two hours long. No problem. You sit through half time even you wait, debate what's happening. Soccer is two, three hours long. Plus the discussion afterwards, another two hours. But no time for studying a little bit of the deen of Allah. She's going on too long now. Khutbah's ready. Why? Because we have no sabr. No sabr to learn the deen of Allah. No sabr to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is something that's seriously lacking in the life of every Muslim. I think this lacking in all of our lives. Unless somebody is a great wali of Allah. I don't know. But this is something that we need to work on. That we need sabr, not just with the decree of Allah. That's just one type of sabr. 
another type of sabr we said is to stay away from sin. You need to have sabr with yourself and your nafs. To restrain your nafs. But also to fulfill good deeds. Righteousness requires a lot of sabr. It's something that you need to fight yourself. Be patient. Slow down. Relax. Everything is in its place. Listen. Wait till the sheikh's done. Attend the class. Learn your deen. And go put that knowledge into implementation. And have patience with it. Through this you will achieve success and victory in everything. Because that's what the Prophet said. Through sabr comes victory. He said, victory will come through sabr. There's no sabr, we are not going to be victorious. We are not going to win. We're all fighting our battles in this world. If there's no sabr, we are not going to win. And sabr is of three types, ayyuhal muslimun. It's not just a sabr, the decree of Allah. That's important. It's in its place. But we need to acquire sabr by abstaining from sin. And we need sabr to fulfill our deeds. The way it's supposed to be fulfilled. Remember the point we made today in, in, in many things. It's not just about fulfilling the salah. And not just about reading the Quran. Do it properly. Do it properly. And that requires sabr on our part. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us of the sabirin. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us that sabr that we require to worship Him the way He wants to be worshipped and to abstain from sin and to be pleased with His decree at all times. Amin Rabbil Alameen. Wa sallallahu ala nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbi ajma'in. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik. Ashadu an la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayka.